Okay, we are in part 13 in our series. Through the Psalms, where to turn? We're looking at certain Psalms that we should turn to when there's kind of critical moments that, you know, face our lives. And this morning, you see the title, Where to Turn When Your Praise for God is Shrinking. That's an interesting title. But I want to begin, I guess, with a little simple survey, okay? And I want you to respond by raising your hands, okay? So this is just going to ask you some random questions. How many of you are men? Raise your hand. How many of you are women? Raise your hand. See, I, I did that to make sure everyone would participate in this survey. You can't avoid that, okay? Uh, now, if someone did not raise their hand, uh, you need to pray for them, okay? Um, how many of you like pizza? You like pizza. How many of you like steak? Steak. How many of you are like, I love salad? Salad. What about, I love Chinese? Okay. Now, I have a feeling everyone's hand's going to go up on this one. How many of you are interested in discovering God's will for your life? Okay. Uh, then turn to Psalm 103. I want to just lead you into the thought that this psalm that we're going to read this morning and study is really about God's will for your life. And it can be summarized in this way. God's will for your life is that you would praise God from your inmost being and you would be a praiser of him all the time and that your praise for God would grow and grow and grow as you continue to grow. Now, look if you would. Uh, in verse 1, the, the psalm begins with a statement about God's will for your life, and it ends with a statement about God's will for your life. And David puts it this way. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Our praise for God should come from the depth of our soul, and it should come from our most inmost being. And it should be directed at God's holy name. And then if you go to the end of the psalm, it says, Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding. And we know the angels in heaven praise God. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. And then he says this, you his servants who do his will. You and me, we are God's servants. God's will is that we would praise him. And then it ends, praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. God's will for our lives is that we would be praisers of him 24-7. And that, that our lives, as time goes on, would grow in our praise of God. Now, let's be honest, though. <laughs> there are times we don't feel like praising God. There are times we struggle praising God. There are times we wonder why we should praise God. So let me ask you a couple more personal questions. How would you describe uh, your life right now? How would you rate your praise of God on a scale of 1 to 10? 1 being low, 10 being high. Just honestly, where would you put that praise? How would you rate your praise level right now? Here's another question. Who is the Christian in, in your mind's eye that God has led you into relationship with or you see them, 
who most exemplifies being an on-fire, consistent praiser of God? Who is that person? Do you know why they are that way? It's not genetic. That's a spiritual trait that they've cultivated, we're going to discover this morning. Now, who is the Christian also that you most look at, that God also has brought into your life, that most looks like they've been baptized in pickle juice? They're, they're the least praise-oriented Christian you know. Have you ever thought about why they are the way they are? There's a reason why they are the way they are. Let me tell you a story, and I want to give you a principle. And maybe you've never, like, seen this principle and connected this with your heart, because we're going to get at what is the essence of becoming a believer, a follower of God, of Christ, who just lives a life of praising him. So I was uh, at the Oakland Coliseum on January 23rd, 2015, and that was the day that Clay, Clay Thompson on the Warriors he hit the NBA record for the most points scored in one quarter. It was phenomenal. He scored 37 points. He shot 13 out of 13, and it was absolutely awesome. And Tracy and I were, were there at the game. And do you know what happened that night? It was a phenomenal moment. The entire Coliseum, everyone present, erupted in praise for Clay Thompson. I mean, hands are being raised. People were shouting. They could not believe what was taking place. And it was astounding. Uh, NBA record was set. Now, I want to give you a principle here. Here it is. In order to genuinely praise someone with all of your hearts, you must have genuine reasons for doing so. 37 points in one quarter, 13 out of 13 is phenomenal, and I mean everyone was praising Clay Thompson in that moment in the Coliseum. I just want you to just think about the principle there. Watch this. The degree to which we will be an on-fire, consistent praiser of God is the degree to which you and I are aware of the reasons why we should praise God. If you forget the reasons why you should praise God, You'll never praise God. I know it's so simple, but it's what this entire psalm is predicated on. And really, that is the difference between a Christian who praises God or a Christian who's baptized in pickle juice, and they just go around with a frown, and, and in their heart, they're not praising God. I'm not talking about the outward appearance. I'm talking about a heart that genuinely goes around praising God. So where do we turn when your praise for God is shrinking. And maybe if you're just honest with your life, you're going, Pastor, you know, as I think about my life, there was a season I used to be just praising God. And you know what? That's become less and less. And so, you know, when that happens, and I do think it happens for all of us at certain seasons, we need to, we need to go to a, a psalm like a Psalm 103, which we're going to dive into right now. So this psalm, it begins and ends with an exhortation to praise God, and it's stated that this is God's will for our life. But then in between those exhortations at the beginning and the end, David gives us 17 verses on, watch this, the reasons 
why God is so deserving of our praise. And when these reasons seep into your soul, you will do nothing but just explode in praise for God. And so, I, 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 there are so, look at verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And it says this, forget not all his what? The Bible says, praise God. And if you're going to do that with all of your soul, you can't forget certain things about God. Forget not. And if you study your Bible, there are so many times in the Bible, it warns us against forgetting who God is and what God has done. You look at uh, Deuteronomy 6.12, it's there in your notes. Be careful, be careful, Christian, that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You see, our praise for God grows. It gets, it's energized, it's revitalized when we remember the benefits of the Lord. Now, here's, here's a simple observation, and it's theologically based. People who remember the Lord's benefits their praise for God skyrockets. People who forget the Lord's benefits, their praise for God shrinks. So based on your remembering, using your mind to focus on the benefits of God or not, your praise for God will either skyrocket or it's going to shrink. So what kind of Christian do you want to be? One whose praise for God skyrockets or one whose praise for God shrinks? It all depends on what you are willing to discipline your mind to remember. I mean, all the time. This is like a lifestyle change that needs to take place in our lives. And we're going to kind of dive into this. I'm just sharing with you where we're going to go. So what we see here in Psalm 103 are really four benefits that emerge for us to remember that will result in our praise for God skyrocketing. Here we go. Number one. Praise skyrockets when we remember the benefit of God's forgiveness. Now look at verse 2. Praise the Lord, all my soul, forget not all his benefits. And now David's going to list all the benefits in the rest of the psalm. Who forgives all your sins. Now we have heard this so much, we become numb to the power of that statement. Oh yeah, God's forgiven me. So let me kind of bring you into just how profound this is. I want you to picture right now all of your sins. How long have you lived? 30 years, 40 years, 60 years, (laughs) 70 years, 80 years. That's a lot of sins. Let's put them on the screen so that everyone can look at them. Can you do that, Robert? We have sins of commission. Those are sins that we've committed due to the things we've done, said, thought. These are areas that we have committed sin. That's sins of commission. Wicked things, evil things. Just think about it over your entire life. Then we have sins of omission. These are sins that have piled up because of things we didn't do, we didn't say, we didn't give, we didn't serve, we didn't reach out to that person. Sins of omission and sins of commission. We're good at remembering all the sins of commission, but we forget about the sins of omission. Things that we're not doing, we should be doing. Now picture a jury coming together in heaven, and they have complete knowledge about all of your sins, every one, and they have to decide whether or not you are worthy enough 
to come into heaven? What would be their verdict? And before they render their decision, uh, God interrupts the process. And he he says, oh, excuse me, uh, that person right now that you are evaluating, they are my child. And because they've trusted in my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, all of their sins are forgiven. This is what God has declared about you. This is why he is worthy of praise. For, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives? What does it say? All your sins. All your sins. Not some. All of your sins have been forgiven. Past, present, future. If you are in Christ, all your sins are forgiven for all eternity. Now, if you're wondering, well, you know, what does that really look like? The Bible tries to give us word pictures to talk. Look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. If you wonder just how complete your sins have been forgiven, just start walking east right now, as far as you can, for a year, and then when you're done with that, try to walk in west as far as you can and see if ever the two meet. It's an eternal distance. God has separated your sins from you. He has forgiven all of your sins of omission, commission, past, present, and future. And it's because of this that he is worthy of praise. Amen? He's worthy of ongoing, constant, continual, never-ending, glorious, magnificent, growing praise, 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 because if we are in Christ, all our sins are forgiven. And if you remember the benefit of God's forgiveness, your praise is going to skyrocket, especially if you're a Christian who wakes up every morning thanking the Lord that you are forgiven. You're going to begin your day in praise, and if you go to bed at night remembering that you are forgiven of all your sins, you're going to go to bed with praise. But if you're a Christian who wakes up and you don't think about the benefit that you are forgiven. You go to bed and you go live your whole day without thinking, guess what? Your praise for God is going to shrink. And this is just one of thousands of benefits, but it's a critical benefit. You know, it's so easy when one thing goes wrong in our lives to forget about the many things that are right. Sure, all of us have things in our lives right now that are wrong. But is that what is controlling you? Is that all you're focusing in on? You've got to remember the things that are right. The benefits that God has given you, one of which David is listing here, is just the fact that you're forgiven. So I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and just say, all your sins are forgiven, so praise the Lord. Say that to someone. (laughs) Yeah. Second benefit that we need to remember so that our praise will skyrocket. Praise skyrockets. Secondly, when we remember the benefit of God's healing, healing. Look at verse 3. Forget not all his benefits. Yes, he forgives your sins and then heals all your diseases. Now, I want you to think about the diseases the Lord has healed you of over the course of your entire life. The greatest disease that you've been healed of is the disease of sin, which would lead to death, spiritual death for all eternity. You're healed of that. We already talked about that. 
But God, over the course of our lives, has also healed us of many physical diseases, emotional, psychological. My dad uh, had melanoma cancer. And when I was a little boy, I didn't quite understand all this. And back then, I couldn't even see him in the hospital. And I remember us going to the hospital so I could be as close to him as possible. And I remember they, he waved out the window and I saw his arm. That's all he could lift. And I, I remember looking like four stories up. There's my dad. I could barely understand. I don't know why they would not back then. That's just where it was. That I would contaminate him? I don't know. But I remember just as a little boy just, and yet God healed my dad. So much prayer. And, and then my mom, my mom had breast cancer. Am I going to lose my mom? A lot of prayer, doctors, God brought healing. These are some of the diseases I'm aware of that God has healed. How many diseases have you had that you've never become aware of? Some of you have never had cancer, but maybe it was there and God healed it. Have you ever thought about all the diseases that God has healed you of over the course of your life? Wow. For this, God is to be praised. If you ever wonder what what God is like, all you need to do is look to Jesus because John 14, 9 says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. And you know what the Bible says about Jesus, Matthew 9, 35? Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. This is what Jesus did then, and this is what he does in your life today. He goes around your home. He's there, and he's healing your diseases and sicknesses. You say, well, Mark, how come not all? In his sovereign plan, he knows what he's doing. But I'm telling you, there are thousands of diseases that he's healed in your life over the years. And the ones that remain, there's a purpose for them. I don't understand all that. But I can tell you one thing. We focus on the one that's, that's, that's existing, and we forget about the thousand that he has healed. And, and we need to think about the thousand as well. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. He heals us. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Oh, he sustains you and me. <laughs> for that he's to be praised. If you remember the benefit of God's healing, your praise is going to skyrocket. If you forget the benefit of God's healing work in your life, body, soul, and spirit, your praise is going to shrink. So I want you to just kind of discuss a little bit at your tables right now. What most causes your praise to skyrocket in your heart when you remember the benefit of God's forgiveness or when you remember the benefit of God's healing? Would you talk about that at your table? Just take a moment. I know there's a lot of stories. Take a moment and talk about that. So we're talking about four things to remember that will allow our praise for God to skyrocket. Our praise for God skyrockets when we remember the benefits of God's forgiveness, his healing, and third is this, praise skyrockets when we remember the benefit of God's deliverance from death. Now in verse 4 again, praise the Lord all my soul, verse 3, and forget not all his benefits, and David's listing them then, and he says in verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. 
Now, that phrase, to redeem your life from the pit, means to rescue you, it means to save you, it means to deliver you from a sure pit of physical death or even spiritual death. And I just wonder, how many times has God saved you and me from the pit of death? How many times has he saved us and we haven't even known that he saved us from that accident or whatever? How many times? Was David thinking about his battle with Goliath right here and truly the miracle that it was, him as a teenager going up against this fully trained warrior? It was a pit of death that God delivered him from. We don't know. I remember there are, <laughs> there are so many stories I have <laughs> with the life that I've lived and where I've traveled, and God has been gracious and merciful. And these are the stories I know when I've been saved from death. How many has God looked out? It's, I don't know, numerous. And I think it's the same for you. Uh, I remember years ago when we were building our house, my brother-in-law, uh, my brother Todd and I, and Todd was, I was literally in our entryway in our home, the subfloor, we were just framing it. And he was like 15 feet above me. And back then they didn't have uh, cordless, uh, you know, tools. And uh, for some reason, it was a skill saw that was like, on the top plate, like the second story up, and I'm just down, and I'm kind of talking to Todd, and, and then I turned over here, and, and that skill saw, you know, which is, I don't know, 15 pounds, fell straight down, right, it missed my head by inches, and literally the blade went through the subfloor. It wasn't on, it was just the weight of it, and it, just inches it nicked me, and I went, are you? It was just like, saved from death. And I just sat there going, wow. And, and there are many other stories I could share with you. And it's, it's these, as you remember these moments. I, many of you have served in war. And it's like, you know, think about those times and what God has done. Man, you all have stories. It's like, when you remember that, for that, God is to be praised. Just, you explode in praise. Um, you know, I remember July 27th, 1981. is the day of my salvation. And uh, what a pit I was in. An absolute pit. And God in his grace, through a series of loving uh, moments where he had to break me and humble me. And there, all alone in my bedroom, just my life broken. I just, I laid down on that floor and I wept. And I, I just said, Jesus, if you will save me, I will tell the world about you. I, I had no idea that would be the case. Seriously, I had no idea. But I also had never known that my parents had dedicated me to the ministry before I was born. And it is all this what God was working out. It's beautiful and amazing. Can I, can I have you just take your Bibles and turn if you would? Go, go to Ephesians chapter 2 for a second. Turn to in the New Testament because I, I want to encourage you to adopt, find a scripture that most represents, and maybe this will be it for you. But this is the passage that reminds me 
of how God has saved me from the pit and the work he did in my life. And when I read this, I just do nothing but praise him. Ephesians 2, verses 1 and following says this. And I'm going to read this very personally for me, the way often I will read it, by myself and my worship with God. As for you, Mark, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which I used to live, as I followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, who is Satan, the spirit of the enemy who is now at work in me when I was disobedient. All of us, myself included, I lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest in this world without Christ, by nature I was deserving of God's wrath. But because of God's great love for me, God who was rich in mercy made me alive with Christ even when I was dead in my transgressions. It is by grace that I have been saved And God raised me up with Christ and seated me with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness for us, for me in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace I have been saved through faith, and this is not of myself. It's the gift of God, the greatest gift ever, not by works that no one can boast. For I am God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for me to do. What a life. What a salvation from the pit. And I want to encourage you to find a scripture that you can go to that reminds you of of, of how the Lord has done such a miracle in your life and that you would go to that often and reflect on that. And it's when you do that that your praise for God will skyrocket. If you do not reflect on how God has saved you, how there are thousands and millions of people in our world that have never even heard the name of Jesus. In India, there are 500,000 villages that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Never once. And yet God has brought you into a country and in a church or with a family. And you, the fact that you know Christ is just, what a miracle. And to praise his name for that. A few weeks ago, I was back at our house where I grew up, where I came to Christ. And my dad and I, on Thursdays, we read and we pray together, and dad happened to be there. And after we spent our time together, I said, Dad, do you mind if I just have some quiet time and I go upstairs in that room, which I did. And I walked up those stairs. I hadn't been there for years, years. First thing I did is I just fell down on that, that carpet. That carpet's not the same carpet. Because after I moved out, I told my parents, I said, when you change the carpet, I want the carpet. And they said, we're going to change the carpet. I went out there and I I took the entire carpet out of that room, rolled it up, and I brought it to our house. And it stayed there for years. And then finally Tracy said to me, she goes, Mark, that carpet is starting to smell. (laughs) I go, that's holy carpet. I'm not getting rid of it. She's like, Mark, it is stinketh by now. And I said, okay. I go, well, I'm cutting a piece out. She goes, go ahead. So I laid it out. And I, tried, I looked exactly. I figured the configure. And I go, this is where I gave my heart to Jesus. And so here's that carpet. It's in my office. Yeah. It's that brown shag 70s look. Some of you remember that, right? 
Hey, this stuff's good stuff, man. It saves lives. No, I'm just joking. But, you know, uh, I, I want to encourage you. This is how your, your praise for God skyrockets. It's, you go back to those moments. Go back to where you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Was it a camp? Take, a, take an hour, two-hour drive, wherever it was. Go there alone. Worship God. Thank him that you're saved, that, that, that literally you've been delivered from a pit of death, physically but also spiritually. Amen? Amen. Let me give you a fourth benefit to remember. Praise skyrockets when we remember the benefits now that come to us just because of who God is. So when was the last time that you and I have just thought about all the benefits we experience just because of who God is? I want you to think about this as a parent for a second. This will help you understand what I'm trying to get at and what David's going to do in a second. But think about your kids. Think about all the benefits they experience just because they are your kids and you are their parent. Think about all the benefits. Some of you are laughing right now. Yeah, they got a home. They got food. They got clothing. They got a cell phone. And it goes on and on and on, doesn't it? It really does. They've got insurance. But it's the same with God. God is your heavenly father. You've been extended so many benefits from God. And he is to be praised because the fact that you're his child, God is your father, and he just showers on you benefit after benefit. And it's like David just goes crazy. It's like he's trying to list the benefits, and he kind of comes up with the first three, you know? But then it's like he's just overwhelmed with the nature of God and the attributes of God, and what he does in these next verses is he lists at least 15 attributes of God for which God is to be praised. And I'm just going to basically read these and, and, and because there, there are far too many to teach on in depth. But these are all the reasons for which God is to be praised because this is who he is. And because of who he is, all these benefits spill out into our lives. Look, if you would, at verse 4. Again, praise the Lord, all my soul, for getting all his benefits. And then he goes on. He says, uh, and crowns you with love and compassion. Now, God is love and God is compassion, but he has crowned you with love and compassion. This is how he views you, deals with you, and in fact, what he's put into your heart, love and compassion. And for that, he's to be praised. Look at verse 5. Who satisfies your desires with good things. Do you know that's an attribute of God? He loves you so much as your daddy he satisfies your life. He knows your life personally, and he gives you good things. All those good things, every good thing comes from above, James says, from the Father of heavenly lights. And I was just thinking about some of the good things that I enjoy that God gives me, like food, clothing, shelter, a car, sleep, a shower. You know, I'll be in India and in Bangladesh in just a, a few weeks, one of the things that, that breaks my heart is I'm around our pastors that we support hundreds there, and I will shake their hands, and their, their hands will all be freezing cold because right now it's very cold in these areas. And, uh, and I, I know, I know some of them, it's been years since they've ever had a shower. Years. 
And God blesses me with the good things of even a shower, relationships, coffee. A few weeks ago, I'm out with my buddy Wayne, and we're on his boat. That boat is a gift from God, Wayne, and he uses it for God's glory. And I took this picture back at the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, and I'm like, God, this is one of the gifts you give me the beauty of your creation for me to look at. I'm just like taking this picture and I'm worshiping God, grateful for this gift. One of the things that I love doing as I travel the world, and this is just part of my worship, is I love getting a window seat. I know this will sound strange probably, but I will, if, there, if I can see the clouds, I will watch those clouds for hours. There's times that I've flown from San Francisco to New York and then to Asia, and that five-hour journey, literally, I will stare out at the clouds the entire time, worshiping the Lord, praising Him, and praying for the entire United States as I travel. And that, that's, that is not, that is the joy of my heart. Here's, and here's, I've taken many pictures over the years. I have probably 50. This is just one. Do I have another? Just this is it on the, the clouds. And, and I, I, I worship God. And I think, I look at these clouds and I go, how can you people be asleep right now when you can look at the glory of God out there? And, and, and this is, just, I know this may not speak to you, it speaks to me. And this is just, it's one of the things I go that, but you know recently what has just moved me so deeply to praise God is this next picture. This is one of the good things God gives. This is Callie. Isn't she like, the most beautiful little girl you've ever seen in your whole life. <laughs> Look at this next picture. Look at this one, huh? All the ladies, you know, you hear that. All the guys are too macho to say anything, you know. All the ladies. Can we hear it again, ladies? Look at that, huh? But you just think about all the things. See, these are the reasons for which God is to be praised. How can we look at this? How can I? I'm praising God for this little life that I'm holding. Are you kidding me? And, and there can be one area, and then we forget about the thousand other areas of God's goodness. Amen? Let's put life in perspective. I'm not saying you're not going to come through times where it's going to be difficult. Hey, life, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to face tribulation. We live in a sin-cursed world. Look what's going on for our brothers and sisters up with the fires. There's things we face, but there's a bigger picture that we need to focus in on. And we remember these things, our praise skyrockets, in the midst of the storm. Well, look at verse 5. We can go on. He says, who satisfies your desires with, this is who God is, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isn't it amazing how God renews our life morning after morning after morning? You wake up in the morning and you're renewed. That's a gift of God for which we should praise him. Look at verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Have you ever been oppressed? Have you been ever treated unjustly? Isn't it wonderful to know that God is going to settle those accounts one day? Why? Because he's righteous and he's just. Sometimes that happens in this life, but I tell you, it will definitely happen in the life to come. Why does God do this? Because he's righteous and just. And for that, he is to be praised. You look at verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Now, you can look at that and go, ho-hum, just kind of be bored with that. But you always got to put your name there. 
he made known his ways to Mike and his deeds to Diane. Put your name in the Bible, and this will cause you to praise the Lord because this is what God has done for you as well. How many times has God guided you? How many times has he revealed to you his ways? How many times has he provided for you a miracle like the Israelites in the wilderness? He parted the water. Wow, we need to remember God's greatness. And has he's shown that to us in our praise skyrockets. Look at verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Wow, think about how compassionate God has been to you. Think about how slow to anger he's been to you and to me. And abounding in love when so often we didn't deserve it, but God's grace and his love and his mercy is all given to you freely because it's his character. You don't have to earn it, just who God is. For that, he's to be praised. Wow. Look at verse 9. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. All those truths are like, thank you, Lord. You're merciful. You don't give us what, yes, I do deserve, which I guess would be punishment. Listen how David describes the extent of God's love for us in verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Think about how deep, how much God loves you. And then we go to the New Testament, we think about Jesus, him expressing his love for you on the cross. It's incredible. Look at verse 13. You know, what does God's compassion look like? In case you wonder. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Wow. I don't know, the, mo- the most compassionate moment I think I've ever seen, I don't know if my mom is here, was the moment that I walked up the stairs before I gave my heart to Christ, and my mom just had tears in her eyes because she felt my pain of what I was going through. And there was a look that she gave me that I will never forget. It was the deepest compassion I've ever seen on someone. And I walked up to that room not knowing my life would change. And it's the compassion of a parent. Now multiply that by 100. That's God's compassion for you. God has so much compassion. Where did the compassion come in a mom that could look like that for me? It came from God. God has so much compassion for you, so much love. And for this, he's to be praised. We need to remember this. Look at verse 13. Yeah, we just read it. What does God really know about us? And what is his commitment to us and even our family? What's that like? Look at verses 14 to 18. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. God realizes we're human. He gets that. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field. The wind blows over and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children. I love that. My grandchildren, little Callie, little Amy, we're praying, Lord, let these little girls know you and walk with you their whole lives. 
God's compassion extends even to our family. I love it. What else should I remember about God for which he's to be praised? Look at verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. He reigns in heaven and he reigns the universe. He's Lord over all. And he's so intimate with us as well. And it's for all these things and more that David just kind of loses himself with the rest of the psalm and just, this is who God is. And think about who he is and because of who he is, what we receive. And for these benefits, he is to be praised. Well, I'd like you to respond a little bit more here too and talk about this. What most causes your praise to skyrocket? When you remember the benefit of God's deliverance from death or the benefits that come because of who God is? You know, of everything we've talked about, maybe what's another way to answer it is just at your tables, what, what's the number one thing for which you're most moved in your heart when you think about all the benefits for which you want to praise God? Talk about that. All right. Well, I pray that as a result of our time together, you're like, you know, Mark, I, I feel like I have a psalm to turn to when my praise for God is shrinking. And if the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is just anchored to your heart, that praise really rises or falls based on us remembering, remembering the benefits for which God is to be praised. If you go through life and you're just forgetting, your praise will shrink. But if you live a life that is just, Lord, help me to remember, and you begin to remember these things, again, praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I want you to just, maybe this word picture will help a little bit. I want you to picture your, um, your soul as a praise tank for God. Not as a gas tank, but as a praise tank. When your praise tank is full, and watch this, God's done everything to fill it, but if you won't remember, it won't get full or be filled. But when your praise tank is full, you explode in praise. And your praise tank gets filled when you remember it, when you remember the benefits for which God is to be praised. That's, that's up to you. You, you've got to do that. So let me ask you, when you came in here this morning or you're watching on video, you know, is your praise tank for God, is it a quarter full? Is it half full? Is it three quarters full? Is it like, is the red light flashing, you know? God hasn't changed. The question is, will you? Will you begin to look at your life and at this world and God differently and actually remember the reasons for which he is to be praised. And if you do that, it is just going to change your life, your attitude, and ultimately your praise for God, which is awesome. And this morning, we've just highlighted out of this psalm four reasons for which God is to be praised. Remember the benefit of God's forgiveness, the benefit of his healing, the benefit of his deliverance, and the multitude of of benefits that come because of who God is, his character, and the benefits that just spill out into your life and mine. Verse 2, praise the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Let us be men and women, let us be boys and girls that just let the reasons for which God is to be praised ever fill our soul so that we explode in praise for our awesome God. Amen? 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're so compassionate as a father, as a mother has compassion on their children. So do you. You're patient with us, Lord. And Father, we are first to admit that one thing goes wrong and that just kind of puts us sideways and, and we forget. And oh God, we just pray that your spirit would fill us with understanding to make a spiritual change in our hearts in the way that we think, in the way that we even come to church and live our days with thought, remembering who you are and what you've done so that truly our praise as time goes on would skyrocket and not shrink. Would you just talk to God about the grace that you need, the power that you need, the change that needs to happen for you to be moving in this direction of being a praiser of the Lord and letting that skyrocket. Would you just talk to God?